0: But now our first fossil, and I don't mean Dr Paul Willis, who's dubbed me as one. Paul, once of Catalyst, now at Flinders University, showing me, well, tell me, Paul Willis, what is in that little case?
1: This is really exciting, Robin, and it follows on from the last time we had a chat a couple of years ago when we said that we'd secured a small opalised dinosaur in Lightning Ridge. The trouble is in the intervening couple of years, we've had COVID, we've had financial problems and that has prevented us from going over to Lightning Ridge to pick this thing up so that we can study it. Well, that all changed earlier this year when we were able to travel over to Lightning Ridge and pick up the specimen and bring it back here to Adelaide. And what it consists of is 71 small lumps of rock with opalized bone in them. And what I'm about to show you is a small sample of those 71 pieces, some of which we've been CT scanning, and then we've managed to print out what the bone looks like before we've even taken it out of the rock. Is it one bone long broken up
0: of one creature?
1: Yeah. So far as I can work out, we've got the back end of a small hypsilophodontid dinosaur It appears to be semi-articulated, so the bones are roughly laid out as the animal died, but there seems to be some movement, maybe by water currents or scavengers on the carcass or whatever. But all up, what is there seems to be beautifully preserved. Unfortunately, we don't have the head,
0: and the head is the bit that will tell us what its relations are. And when you take the opal off, of course, uh, each hammer blow reduces the value of the whole thing if you are selling it on the market? Well, it's a really tricky
1: proposition. If it's an opal fossil, then it's covered by what's called the Prevention of Moveable Cultural Heritage Act, which means that you cannot take it out of the country without a permit, and there's no way you get a permit for a good opalized fossil. So an opal miner comes across an opalized fossil in his mine, and he can't sell it on the world market But he can sell the opal itself, so the only way that he can, or she, can make a return on their mining investment is to break it up and sell it off as opal, in which case we lose the fossil forever. So we're trying to work on some ingenious ways around this so that we do get to have a permanent record of these fossils.
0: Let me see some yeah, of the parts. Yeah, He's opening it and there are about something like 16, 15, little yeah, 15 16, boxes? 16,
1: 16 bits in here. And if you look at this one, you can clearly see that the opal is forming a small vertebra. So here's the vertebral centrum and here's the neural arch with the neural spines coming off. So not much of this specimen looks like this at the moment. This isn't going to take much preparation. There's little bits of rock that need to be carved off here and here so that we can see what it's like. Most of what we've got are things like this. There is a hint of there being some bone inside, but other than that, it's just a small rounded lump of sandstone.
0: And you have to know what you're looking at as you yeah. do.
1: Yeah, in fact, on this specimen, if you do look at this opalized surface very closely, you can see the small dots. They're the trabeculae, the little honeycomb pores inside the bone. That tells you that this is an opalized bone. But we can't say what because it's still embedded in the rock. But thanks to the wonder of modern science, Flinders University has recently set up a CT scanner deliberately dedicated to research to do things like look inside bits of rock like this and see what the bones look like. So this specimen has already gone through that process. And you can see that there is a bit of bone in this lump of rock. But again, you can't say much about it because there is so much rock around it. Hmm. But we've CT scanned this one And we've managed to reconstruct from the CD slices the virtual copy of what that bone looks like. And then we can take that and we can print out a 3D print of that bone. So this is actually that bone inside that rock. And you can see this surface here matches that surface there. So this is another vertebral centrum. And these parallel lines, that's where the neural arch sutured on to the centrum. So straight away, one of the things this tells us is that it was still a semi-juvenile, because if it was any older, then the neural arch would have fused to
0: the centrum more fully, and it wouldn't have come off Mm -hmm. like that. Let me ask you a very unfair question. There are people around Australia like Scott Hucknell who've got huge skeletons of dinosaurs and there are all sorts of grown-up ones. What's special about yours that makes you take so much trouble to get it released? Well, this is one of the joys of paleontology.
1: Every fossil is like a Christmas present that takes you years to unwrap. We don't know how important this specimen is. It could be a new species, it might not. We might not even be able to tell if it's a new species or or what species of dinosaur it is. But Lightning Ridge is the only place in the world where you get dinosaurs preserved in opal. We do get marine reptiles preserved elsewhere, Cooperpedia and Andamooka, Cooperpedia is where Eric, the opalized plesiosaur, came from. But it's always that sheer wonder. We don't know what we've got. That's what keeps driving us on. Now, really what the miner is interested in is the opal value. But as paleontologists, we couldn't care if they were made of 24-karat gold. What's important to us is the overall shape. So perhaps if we can build up the trust of the miners and say, look, when you find a fossil, before you do anything with it, let us take it down to Tonsley, let us CT scan it, and then we can tell you what you've got, and you can do with it what you want, because we will have a permanent 3D record of what that specimen is. And look, if it is the next Eric, then you know we can go out there and talk nicely to someone with lots of money, if you're listening, and maybe they can step forward and these things can be preserved as fossils for Australia's posterity. I mean, I was only in the Australian Museum just yesterday in Sydney, and there's Eric in prime position in the museum in their new gallery that they call, what, the 200 Masterpieces of the Museum. And, and you helped excavate it, and you were, what, 12 when I saw you do it? Well, yeah, I, I, I was uh, pubescent, I think. <laughs> but it was a while ago, but, yeah, I did all the work on Eric, pulling him together and cleaning up the well, rock. A
0: plesiosaur, and in fact, as you mentioned just now, Tonsley, is that the area that used to be a car factory, which is now the innovation centre for Flinders. Yes,
1: and apparently it's really going great guns. There's a lot of startups working out of Tonsley in all sorts of areas of research and technology, and that's where this CT unit has been set up. Fabulous, thank you. And I can't have one of those to take home, can I? (laughs) I'd love to
0: say yes, but no, unfortunately, no. Meany, Professor Paul Willis at Flinders University in Adelaide.